John chapter 3 tonight, John chapter number 3. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a thought from someone that is not someone that I would normally quote, but he was considered one of the early fathers of modern psychology. So he was um, expounding um, findings and such back in the early 30s. His name is Alfred Adler, and I just thought this was interesting. And certainly it, it helps prepare us for where we're going to head tonight. Adler identified what he thought was one of the primary motivating factors of mankind. So when he started to just boil it down, what is that thing that captivates a person's attention to the degree that they will be singularly motivated. Now, now, we would understand there are some primary aspects to life. And one of those, of course, is food, nourishment. But he didn't, he didn't identify this as one of those primary motivating factors. And then obviously there's a reproductive aspect to mankind. And, and I think oftentimes people would say, well, you know, this desire for reproduction, this is one of the primary motivating factors of mankind. But Adler went right past, you know, some of these primary aspects of, of our physical nature. And he went to what we would refer to as a more subtle aspect, a mental aspect of our nature. And Adler identified as one of the primary motivating factors of mankind, the idea of recognition. That mankind will do a lot to put himself in the center spotlight. That to be recognized, to be known, to have, in a sense, your name up in lights, and today we might rephrase that a little bit. We, we might say to have your name liked, or at least our posts, what we put out there, what we present as connected to us. And this is part of my life. This is, this is a bit of who I am, a snapshot of my own reality, that this would have some traction. I mean, for, for something to, in our day and age, go viral, you know, there's something about what Adler identified that does seem to ring true with the nature and the drive of mankind, the pursuit of recognition. Many of us, and I'm going to throw myself into the mix, many of us are placed in circumstances where we do get a lot of recognition. And, and that can be at varying levels. That can be in different settings. It can be in different contexts, but many of us find ourselves in circumstances and settings where we either get it or we're pursuing it in some way, shape, or form. And, and at times, we may even feign humility as a means or a pathway to, to actually greater recognition. Uh, last semester, there was a passage of Scripture that just continually it seemed like the Lord kept bringing it um, repeatedly across my own personal path. And so I just, you know, for my own benefit, I, I put together a, a, just a, the first letters, you know, of the passage and I wrote it on things and kept it in front of me. And, and it's a simple passage. It's very short. Your Bibles are open right now to John chapter three. Let's do this. Let's read verse number 30 together. 
Um, it'll be on the screen if you need it. And the title of our series that we'll begin tonight before we read the passage, the title of the series is simply, He Must Increase. He, He Must Increase. And I, <laughs> I have to go in the direct opposite. I must decrease. Let's read the passage. It's very straightforward, very simple, but it's John chapter three, verse number 30. I'll say the reference and then let's just read the passage. John three thirty says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Let's read it again. John three thirty. he must increase, but I must decrease. The title of our message tonight is going to be simply this, the prerequisites, the prerequisites. You know, we all get this. We all understand, okay, before you do this, you have to do this. All right, so there are prerequisites. There, there are things required, the requisites. So before the things required, there are some things that have to come before. So before you're ever gonna get to this point, you have to first get to this point. And, and there is the natural progression of, I, I wanna get here, but before I'm gonna get there, I have to take care of these things. We're, we're, we're obviously going to study the person who offered these words. He's being quoted and this is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist seems to have understood some of the prerequisites for the increase of Jesus. And he understood the decrease of self. And you say, well, how, how do you know he got it? Because his, his, his deeds preceded his words. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? His actions actually spoke a lot louder. Now his words were wonderful. He must increase, but I must decrease. And you might say, that's, that's good preaching, John. Amen. But if you studied his life, you know, you might wonder, does he really believe that? And as you study his life, he really did. So before he gets to this point where the spotlight begins to move off from him, what did John already have in place before he gets to the point where he says he must? This is not optional. This is not like a, a good recommendation. One of the things we should consider is the increase of Jesus. He doesn't do that. He says this is an absolute necessity. He must increase. What are some of the prerequisites? Well, the first thing is, if we're gonna apply this to us, you must know who you are. You must know who you are. Now, don't be too simplistic with this. Like, oh, well, of course I know who I am. Well, do you really know who you are? And, and John the Baptist seems to get it. And, and when I speak of knowing who you are, I'm speaking of knowing who you are in God's economy. That is knowing yourself accurately. Um, I looked up this, this um, the governor, his name's Christian Herter. He was the governor in Massachusetts several years ago and he was already the governor of Massachusetts. So Herter had already established himself as the governor, but he's running for reelection. 
and he was running hard on the campaign trail. So Herder is busy. I mean, he's going from one place to the next to the next. And back in that day, when you're stumping, you know, you are just trying to put your hand, so to speak, in the hand of as many people as possible. And through the course of his, his you know, stumping for re-election, he skipped breakfast, he skipped lunch, and he's long, well into the day. And he's at an evening event and it's a barbecue. And so, he's famished, okay? So Herder's trying to, you know, just find some nourishment because he's, he's literally, through the course of the day, he's just starved. And he gets his plate and he starts to go through the line with everybody else. And they're serving chicken. So he held out his plate and, you know, there, a lady put a piece of chicken on his plate and he thought, man, I'm really hungry. So he kindly asked, he says, I'm very hungry. And he says, do you mind if I get another piece of chicken? And uh, the lady said, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to give one piece to each person. And he repeated, uh, ma'am, I am really hungry. And she said, one to a customer. And, um, you know, Herder was normally a pretty, uh, I don't know, a pretty humble guy, uh, very modest, but he decided it's time to, I don't know, you know, throw his weight around, put his name into the mix. And so he said, madame, uh, do you know who I am? I am the governor of this state. And she answered, do you know who I am? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Move along, okay? <laughs> so this lady understood who she was and she acted accordingly. You know, you may have heard the expression before, you'll never know how much of a servant you are until you're treated like one. You'll never know how much of a servant you are until you are treated like one. And you know, I, I suppose that this lady put the governor, you know, a little bit in his place, but I wonder at times, we, we can say, you know, make me a servant, Lord, humble and meek. And, and we others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. But when we finally are treated like a servant, years ago when I was a student at Pensacola Christian College, I worked for a company called Master Clean Cleaning Services. And my job was to clean up after people. We would service different um, commercial businesses, stores. Years ago um, on, on uh, Palafox, there was a bus stop in the, the center avenue, the boulevard that divides the, the streets. And one of our jobs, one of my jobs working for Master Clean was to go clean the bus stop. I'm a servant and that's what I'm paid to do. And so I'm down there and I'm, I'm cleaning up stuff and, and uh, taking care of things. And there was a guy who's watching me empty the trash. And while he's watching me empty the trash, he took his cup, he had a soda cup or whatever, and he took his cup and he just kind of threw it down, you know, on the, on the ground right next to the trash can where I'm supposed to clean it up. Now I'll tell you when he did that, um, um, there's something that starts to boil in you. Because he's saying, hey, you're paid to pick up this stuff, so pick up this stuff. And you know, one of the things that it pointed out to me at that moment is I am paid to pick up other people's trash. And he just treated me like what I am paid to do. 
Now, I didn't like it and it bothered me. And I'm sure that what I did was not in keeping with what I was paid to do. But he treated me like I was being paid to do. And you know, sometimes we start to get the understanding, yeah, I'm the servant of the Lord. Um, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I am willing to do until he begins to treat us like a servant. And you know, one of the things that we have to understand is, is I have to know who am I? Who, who was John the Baptist? You know, a couple of things that stand out, your Bibles are open to the book of John. Go back to John chapter one. John chapter one, John does understand this is who I am. John chapter one, verse number six. Just notice what it says here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. There's a man, he's sent from God. What what this is indicating to us that John seems to identify with, I, I get it. There's a man sent from God. Okay, so if you're sent from someone, that means that you are sent to do their bidding. That, that there's another one who says, hey, go and do whatever, you are sent from them. Sometimes we refer to ourselves, in fact, the Bible refers to us as ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that the message is not original with us. We're just the mouthpiece of the one that we are sent to represent. And John gets it, John knows, I am the one that is sent from God. I'm not the message. You know, if you start to think, who is this guy sent from God? Speaking of, I'm not the message. What is he? Look down at verse number seven. Verse number seven. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Who is this guy? Well, he's a guy sent from God. Who is he? He's sent from God with a message. So God doesn't just randomly send people. Hey, just you go there. He sends them for a purpose. He, okay, John, I'm sending you and I'm sending you with a message. Uh, a little bit further down, same chapter, verse number 22. Then said they unto him, who art thou? Okay, does John know who he is? Who art thou? that we may answer, give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. See, he's got a message. He's saying, okay, I'm coming for a purpose because there's another one coming. So I'm here as the one who is sent. I am the one who understands he's sent with a message John understands, I know who I am. And if I understand who I am, that's really gonna help me when I get to the point where the spotlight is taken off from me. Right now, I mean, all kinds of people are coming to John. Tell us about this and who are you? And, and a lot of people are saying, hey, this guy must be the Messiah. John's the Messiah. Oh, oh, you're not, I, you're not the, the, the Messiah? Then you're, you're the prophet that we're looking for. John says, no, 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 no. I know who I am, I'm sent from God. And I know who I am, I'm sent from God with a message. That's, that's all I am, prerequisite for he must. Here's what's gonna happen. The, the whole scale is gonna shift dramatically. He must increase. John's ready for this because he understood who he was. 
You have to know who you are. What else do we have to know? These prerequisites. You must know who you are not. (laughs) Okay, you have to know who you are. You also have to know who you are not. When, When you start to think about, okay, well, who am I not? He was not that light. I'm not the light. John 1, verse number eight. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Okay, he's not the light. In other words, what John's gonna say is, I'm, I'm like the, the flashlight, okay? Jesus is the light. I'm just the vehicle through which the light is supposed to shine. Does that make sense? He's not going around boasting about the fact that I am the light of the world, but he is now a vehicle that's used to magnify Jesus. He's, he's pointing people to Jesus. Now, right now, God has him in a place on the stage of, of human history where he's getting a lot of attention. But John knows, even though I'm getting a lot of attention, I am not the light. Um, I mean, I don't have a whole assortment of them, but I, I have... Uh, some nice flashlights. In fact, I just bought one the other day. I bought a, a little flashlight and man, that thing, it's like this, um, it's like this strip, you know? So it's, a, it's a, a thin, long flashlight, but the lights are actually on the side of the light. So when you, when you turn it on, it just, you know, it really illumines. Somebody gave me a flashlight for Christmas. A friend of mine gave me this flashlight for Christmas. And when he gave it to me, I'm like, oh, Nice, you know, and um, no thanks very much. And then I started to use it. Now you can't see it obviously really well from here. It has two settings. So it's just this little light and you turn this one on and it's like, oh, that's kind of nice. And then it has, I didn't even know this. So I'm out walking Sadie and I have her over at this um, large, large uh, field area and I have my little flashlight, but I'm gonna take the little flashlight and I turn it on and it's like, oh, really, you know, in a bright, place like this, you can't see it, but like, wow, I was really impressed. It's lighting everything up. And, and then I just like, ah, that's really cool. And then I turned it another notch, like, you know, like, whoa, you know, lighting up the whole area. It was so like, man, that thing is so bright. Yeah, look at that, huh? Yeah, you see, look, I can't see it. Okay, so it's just this really cool, can you see that? It's lighting you up in this place. I mean, this is a cool little, whoa, that is very bright. Okay, so I, I think this is the coolest, and this is cool. It's like a USB. Plug it in right there. I know, ooh. <laughs> I just, like, this is the coolest little deal. Okay, what makes the thing cool? Well, it's so small. Yeah, that's cool. It's so compact. Yes, that's cool. Has two settings. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it's USB-C. Yeah, very cool. But, but let me tell you, none of that's cool if it doesn't light up, right? None of it's cool. I mean, if he gave me a broken flashlight, yeah, it's a prototype. You know? <laughs> the thing that makes it cool is that it actually lights up, okay? What is it that makes you something really special? Understanding that you're not the light, but you are supposed to be the vehicle that does like, man, turn it on and let, let, let your light so shine. And John understood, I'm not the light. The thing that makes this cool is the light. If it doesn't light up, none of the, the size doesn't matter. The, the two settings, the USB, none of that matters. 
if it doesn't light up. I mean, you, you may have a lot of really wonderful attributes and characteristics, but if you are not lighting, use, if you're not used as a vehicle to, to brightly shine people's attention to Jesus, then you really don't understand who you are and who you are not. Sometimes we start to think I'm the light. No, John understood I'm not that light. He was not that light. Do you know what else he understood? He understood, he recognizes this himself. He understood that he was not the preferred. The preferred. Look down at verse number 15, John chapter one. John, 5, John 1 verse number 15. John bare witness of him and cried saying, this is he, speaking of Jesus, of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me for he was before me. That, that would boggle people's minds. Like here he is. Now John's, John's physically older than Jesus. So he says, he that came after me is preferred before me uh, uh, because he was before me. People are like, well, uh, who's older? Well, well, physically speaking, I mean, I was born before him, but he is the eternal one. And he is the one who is preferred before me. One of the meanings of the word preferred is to, to come on the stage. To come on the stage. Really, do you know what John's alluding to here? John's saying, all right, I was, I was born before him, but he is the one who is preferred center stage before me because he is before me. John's saying, listen, I, I know there was a time when there was a lot of attention on me. These are prerequisites for he must increase, I must decrease. I get it. So at different times, the Lord might put you in a place where lots of attention, lots of, lots of you know, applause, the, the, the name and lights, lots of like favor. But, but the prerequisite for Jesus really increasing is I got to understand who am I not? And I'm not the one who's preferred. Many times God starts to reveal, do I understand this? And he reveals it to us in circumstances that many times make us uncomfortable because another person, another human person, physical, but we're not talking about Jesus because we know Jesus is preferred before us. But one of the things he uses to say, is he really, are you ready for Jesus to increase even at the expense of your increasing? He oftentimes will place another person that gets greater preference, more of the stage than do we. Like, like they're the ones who are getting applause. They're the ones who are getting attention. They're the ones who people are talking about. Uh, they're the ones who, and I mean, whatever it is that like gets our attention, it's happening to them instead of us. John understands Jesus is the preferred. It's about Jesus, it's not about me. Arturo Toscanini, Italian conductor from about 100 years ago. He was one of the most acclaimed and influential musicians of the 19th and early 20th century. He was renowned for his intensity, perfectionism, his ear for orchestral detail, 
incredible memory. He, he, he conducted a spectacular performance of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And the audience begins to just offer this incredible response, this applause that just went on and on. Because what they were presented with was so spectacular. And Toscanini is, is somewhat filled with emotion. And he turns to the orchestra and he says to the orchestra, he says to them, he says, I am nothing. And then he looked at them and he said, and you are nothing. And then he said with this emotion that's just almost pouring over and he said, Beethoven is everything. Do you, know what he, do you know what he understood in a sense? We are the vehicles that are trying to accurately represent Beethoven. And you and I are followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, far more significant than even Beethoven. And therefore we can say, we should be able to say like John the Baptist, he understands I'm not the preferred one. I'm not the one getting center stage. We should be able to say, Listen, I am nothing. You are nothing. Jesus is everything. We're not the preferred. And John understood. He understood who he was. He understood who he was not. He, he clearly understood. I'm not the Christ. He, he knew that. And he acknowledges I am not the Christ. And he doesn't pretend to be the answer to people's problems. We, we would be wise enough, discerning enough to say, well, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not trying to say I'm the Christ. I'm not the Christ, but sometimes we, we, we want to stand in his place. Well, I'll, I'll offer, you know, my great wisdom and insights and, and uh, the, the, the Lord's using me. But really what we're doing is in a sense, we're trying to insert ourselves in a place that is reserved exclusively for him. And John said, no, 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 I am not the Christ. John so easily could have taken the, all of the attention that should be rightly directed to the Messiah and kind of said, well, who knows, you know, the, the multitudes that are following him. And this is the record of John, John 1, 19. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou a prophet? And he answered, no. I'm, I'm just John the Baptist. John the baptizer, I'm the one preparing a way. That leads us to the last. You, you must know what you are here to do. You must know what you are here to do. So John, you know, he knows who he is. He knows who he is not. And he knew what he was here to do. He was here to prepare the way for Christ. That was his job. That, that's really, I'll put it on the screen. Luke chapter three, beginning in verse number three. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked shall be made straight. The rough way shall be made smooth and all flesh shall, shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude, like, there's a lot of people here that came forth to be baptized of him. O generation of vipers, 
Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Do you know what John's not doing? John's not here to massage the message. He's not here saying, I, I, whoa, man, there's multitudes here. I better be careful how I say this. John's just here to say, hey, listen, this is why I came. I know who I am. I know who I am not. And I know what I'm here to do. And John's like, there's nothing that's gonna keep me from doing what, I, what, what God has set me to do. The other thing that when he knew what he was there to do, have you ever noticed how if, if a structure is going to be built, oftentimes really rough tools are used in preparation for something that's going to take far more craftsmanship. And I think John, in a sense, understood, listen, I'm, I'm here, man, I'm like a bulldozer, you know. This voice of one crying in the wilderness and he puts it in gear and boom, he just starts dozing. I mean, he's, 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 he's clearing the way. And then John understood, okay, I know what I'm here to do. Now, once, once my job of preparing the way is done, I'm not the one who's gonna build the structure. So I'm here to do what he called me to do. And then, okay, I'll step out of the way. This is brilliant as it pertains to the prerequisite for him coming to the point where he says he must increase. I must decrease. He was here to prepare the way to Christ. He was here to point people, point them to Jesus. Back in John, he said, then said they unto him, who art thou that we may give an answer? I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. You know, for a time, John the Baptist had the spotlight of God's choosing. The multitudes are after him. He got all the special invitations. He received the accolades. He was invited to sit in the first chair. He was the special speaker. It was his counsel. Everyone is seeking. The spotlight was his. But then the spotlight began to subtly shift. The invitations began to decline. He was asked to sit over there. And the seat that had been his was now being offered to another. Those who once sought him for counsel were now seeking the counsel of another. Those who assumed that he must be the promised prophet were no longer pressing him to acknowledge his own greatness. The spotlight had shifted. But that's okay. John didn't come to seek the spotlight. He came to be the spotlight. And it was shining exactly where he knew it needed to shine. And so we go back to the song that so many of you learned when you're just a child from Matthew 5, 16. Let your light, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but it doesn't end there. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven.